warrior dad. Hello, David. Nice to see you. Hey, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure, David. Um, and yeah, this is our first time meeting. We did a little bit of emailing back and forth and stuff like that, but I, I'd like to meet my guests live so it could be genuine and we get to find out each other. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody uh, what you do? Why Why are you on here today? Why am I on? What do I do? Well, uh, let's yeah. do the well, You're on because I invited you, but it's because <laughs> of what Sorry. Well, of how did I do? Yeah. I, well, I'm a dad. Like I said, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm born and raised in Canada. I've lived all over the country and um, I'm just passionate about learning about what's really going on on this crazy planet. And I've been doing this kind of research into what you could call alternative fringe conspiratorial subjects for about 20 years. I've learned from some of the greats. I've done um, tours across Canada back in 2014, 2015. We did a tour called the Modern Knowledge Tour. Some people may remember it, uh, where we went from East Coast to West Coast and we had different guests and speakers on various topics that the media will never touch. And we drove across the Canada doing that. Um, I do, I've been on History Channel uh, many times on shows like Ancient Aliens, Unexplained, these kind of things. And then um, when the uh, pandemic happened, uh, that all ended very quickly. And I had also been doing podcasting and radio and all of that, just sort of talking about these subjects. And I was forced to go into that full time because I was doing that more part time just because I was passionate about it. Right. Um, same time I was doing all this work, my full time gig was I was running a martial arts and fitness studio with my wife uh, that got abruptly shut down when all the lockdowns occurred. And uh, so it pushed me into doing this kind of work, doing podcasts, doing documentary films, uh, focusing on the geopolitical uh, stuff and, and all these subjects full time. And so now I do a weekly show. I do a few weekly shows. I do a show called Truth Warrior, where I do very much like yourself. I bring different guests on, uh, talk about these subjects from different angles, try to get people, even in our own movement, to think outside the box, uh, not mm -hmm. to just jump on every trail that they, they see, but to really investigate deeply, to use their critical thinking, and to really keep the truth as the goal. Doesn't mean we always have it. Doesn't mean we're always perfect or infallible. Uh, but it means we're we're oriented towards it. And so that's the key. And then, yes, challenging the narratives with the media and uh, trying to raise my family and and trying to, you know, see what kind of solutions are available for us here in Canada right now. I was very much a part of the uh, Canadian trucker uh, convoy. I wasn't in Ottawa or anything, but I was on the ground here in British Columbia and uh, trying to, you know, feature different guests and bring people like Danny Bulford and many other guys on the show to talk about uh, what was really going on in our country. So there's a few different missions here. Like I, uh, I speak to an international audience on a lot of things, but I'm, I'm a Canadian and I love this country. I don't want to be forced to move out of it as it slowly moves towards totalitarianism. I want to save it. I want to see what we can do to save it before we just give up, uh, which I see a lot of people sadly doing. So I'm just trying to say, hey, let's come together, put our heads together, uh, try to see what we can do to resolve these issues. And I think in the end, the only thing that's going to fix it is that the truth is known about what's really going on behind the scenes. So that's that's sort of a nutshell of some of the things I've been up to. That's actually pretty neat. So before COVID, you were pretty active. You're on the History Channel and other stuff. Can you tell me a bit more about what you did with the History Channel? Sure, yeah. So they brought me down. Um, it was a media company called Prometheus Entertainment. They're the company that they make the shows like 
unexplained and ancient aliens and all these like monster mystery shows. And then they sell them to history channel and history channel makes the final cut as to what makes the air. And I had a good rapport with some of the producers that were there because they were kind of a unique company in Hollywood, meaning that they weren't very woke, <laughs> where it's like 99% woke down there. And um, so I'd been working with them just because I've always had an interest in those subjects. They brought me out um, and started interviewing me just about some of these different subjects. They're just fun stuff, right? And um, and so I would just sit there and do the interviews or I would go on location to look at some of like these mysterious, you know, unexplained things. And so it was all just sort of fun stuff, but I was really just trying to get a bigger audience and get experience doing that work. And then, um, but I honestly just hated having to go to LA and, and do all that after a while. And I preferred doing independent um, productions because you'd go down, you'd do like a seven hour interview with these guys on all the subjects. And then like 30 seconds of it gets to air, right? right. So I'm like, okay, I got the 30 seconds in, that's great. And, but what I thought was, well, I better build the real content on my platform so that if anybody watches the show and like, oh, that was interesting, they can come to my actual podcast and see the full explanation on uh, what I think on some of these subjects. So that's kind of what I used to do and I'm not doing it anymore. I'm now just fully independent and honestly prefer it that way. I have to ask Giorgio, is he always like that? Giorgio, Giorgio? <laughs> My wife okay, loves, only him, met, loves his hair. <laughs> he's got the hair. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I've only, I only met Giorgio once. He was very nice. Um, I, I usually actually, when I was down there, it was just, they bring each person in independently. So I was hanging out with all the production crew guys and the camera guys and the lighting guys yeah. and kind of picking their brain. You're like, how do you guys get those shots? How do you work with all this stuff? So I was down there just trying to gain some information as to how I can upgrade my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And he was a nice guy, though. He, or is he always yeah, from like what that? I saw? From what I saw, he was yeah. he was he was nice to me, anyways, and you know, interesting guy. Yeah, yeah, I can just imagine him, him in the morning at home loses his keys. Aliens! It's the aliens. Just can't find anything. <laughs> <laughs> the aliens! The ketchup's gone. Aliens! <laughs> yeah, he yeah, definitely no, won the meme guy. on that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so you stopped doing that before COVID, or was it because of COVID? It was because of COVID. Yeah, I was actually so trying to I was, travel I mean, and stuff. Yeah, well, I was traveling back and forth. Well, you know, <laughs> you weren't allowed to leave Canada and come back in unless you showed your papers. And um, mm -hmm. so they they didn't cut me because I had decided not to have a paper trail in regards to my medical decisions. Uh, they right. cut me just because they would they realized that they would have had to pay for me to go there and then to come back and they'd have to put me up in one of Trudeau's uh, Gulag hotels for a rates. week or two. Yeah. And that just was out of budget. So they just they switched it up for a local LA guy. And yeah, it's all good, man. Like in the end, you go down and you get a little taste of it. And I honestly, it was it was perfect because I feel much better doing this work on my own. No editing, no censorship. You get to say what you really want. I'm so glad there's platforms out there that don't censor as much as others. And yeah. uh, in the end, <laughs> I just want to, yeah, I want to do the full deep dive on these subjects. You know, a TV show can only, do a little bit and it's pretty cartoonish the way it ends up becoming anyways and i prefer the serious academic level uh research on these subjects so okay so before covid you also had you said a gym martial arts studio with your wife yeah i had that we'd been doing that since about 2008 um okay. we'd formerly been in toronto doing that business and then moved out west to british columbia just because we loved it out here my wife's family moved out here and we opened up something locally here 
that got closed down. Um, I just reopened it like three months ago. So now oh, I'm doing correct. that and this and being a dad and homeschooling the kids. And so it's quite the busy schedule, but I love it. I love it too. I homeschool my kids as well. So I have to do the oh, morning man. show, go to homeschool, do some work, get ready for the next show, come run here to see you and then do it all over again tomorrow. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah, lot of fun though. I, I what else are we going to do, Jason? What else are we going to do? This is what we have to do. I don't know. We have to protect my kids and your kids yeah. and, and our neighbor's kids because uh, it's certainly the uh, something going on. <clears throat> For real, yeah. though, not their version of Save the Kids, uh, no. the real version of Save the Kids. Absolutely. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about myself, uh, David, and why I'm sure. doing this as well. Um, so, you know, when we moved out here from Eastern Ontario, it's kind of neat you moved from Toronto out to BC. I was in Eastern Ontario after we left Toronto and then moved out to Alberta because we need a little bit more land because we were homeschooling and homesteading in Ontario on one acre. Mm. You can't grow much and you can't even have a playground and you can't do much with one acre. Uh, so we moved out here and started doing all that. This was right before the uh, convoy. And when the convoy happened, we all saw what happened. The people getting beat down in Ottawa. Yeah. I was watching the streams. So we were seeing the real independent information. And then, uh, you know, Trudeau came out in French on uh, February 22nd and said, uh, look, if you don't like what I did, uh, get support and run against me. I agreed one time <laughs> with him to do exactly that. And my reason is because I have a child with disabilities and we homeschool and paying close attention to Quebec, they're very anti-homeschool and they're taking away parental rights. And you're starting to see that make its way across. And I was concerned that at some point they were going to determine that homeschooling children with a disability is not within our abilities. And they're going to say, you have to bring them to a school. You have to bring them to our institutions and let us do it. Because I saw those parental rights kind of deteriorating from Quebec on, I was sure eventually that would come to Alberta if we don't do something, if we don't step up and stop this. So that was my motivation to run for office and get far more active. And then the podcast naturally kind of happened because I'm in the middle of the bush. I don't have power. I have solar. I have Starlink. Uh, so I really didn't have a lot of things I could do. Podcast. And it's been good. It's been good. I've been able to interview a lot of people, learn a bunch of things, and uh, kind of move forward this platform. And you're right. It's great to have a whole bunch of platforms other than that big guy who uh, does support and does provide uh, uncensored uh, content. Today, we're on that one. So if you want me to, I can push a button and, and drop it, and then we can see No, no, rumble. keep it. Keep it. We need to get <laughs> as many people as possible. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep it as... Uh... What do you call it? Like censorship safe as possible? I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll be good. Yeah, no problem. No problem. And I appreciate that, David, because I understand you've had your own channels chopped off and turned out and, and suspended. Oh, uh, yeah. Man. <laughs> well, funny story is I was actually on my last trip to shoot for the unexplained in L.A. I'm in the hotel waiting to come back and the news breaks from Tedros at the uh, WHO that it's a pandemic of international concern and uh, we're going to lock the world down and it all started and we'd all been hearing the rumblings. Right. And I thought, okay. And something inside me just knew because of a lot of the research I had been doing uh, right. prior and learning about, about who these international organizations are, who founded them, what their real purpose is. I kind of mm -hmm. went, okay, we're going to have to, uh, you know, really pay attention to what they're telling us because right. uh, there's something smelled fishy for me right out of the gate. And so I came back, um, I came back and actually got sick, very sick with whatever for about two weeks. My family got it, the whole neighborhood, I could just kind of went around really quickly. And just so January I just started thinking, 2020? Yeah, February, 2020. Yep. Funny. Okay. February. Yeah. And, um, I 
just said, okay, I've lost the dojo. I've got, you know, some income coming in, but I lost about 60% of my income when that happened, like overnight. And then I also lost obviously the ability to work with history channel. So I just said, okay, I have to find a way to not get money from the government and not have to go find some job where they're going to go look at all my social medias and, and, uh, probably not hire me. Um, Mm -hmm. just because I question a lot of these things. Right. And so, but I had running Facebook at the time, Instagram, YouTube, like all the major ones. And I, I did most of my work on those platforms for a long time. And, you know, you get some videos flagged here or there, but it just really kicked up the moment I started doing any kind of posts. I would even do posts on Facebook where I was reposting something some doctor uh, was saying or some biostatistician or some expert was saying, and they were just really just questioning things. They were just, and I was asking those questions and then Facebook would flag it and then it would happen again. And then, you know, what, three strikes, you're out. I lost that channel. And then YouTube, same thing. I interviewed Dr. Kerry Madey on my channel. After that okay. channel nuked, that was my third strike. Um, and it was cited specifically for spreading misinformation. That's why they banned it. And I'd worked on that channel for, oh my God, I think, yeah, about 2008 or it was when I started it. Oh, and wow. so I lost, I, I had stuff backed up, but I lost a lot of my, my stuff. And so I was thinking, okay, not only am I losing my business, my television career, and then my backup career, which is podcasting is being censored everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I went, oh my God. So I started hooking up with some of these other alternative platforms. Like I got on the foxhole, pilled, uh, some of those, you know, bit shoot, some of the more rudimentary ones. And then it grew into rumble and then Rockfin and telegram. And it just started growing. And then now I'm on Twitter and, and, you know, it's starting to get a little better, but I, I, I built a channel back for a little bit on YouTube. I still have it, but I don't go on as much on there. I tried TikTok for a while. Uh, did it and started Oof. talking about international law and how they were violating international law, got banned, you know? So yeah. I've been, ba- I got banned from Spotify, um, you know, and again, it was all around either talking about the 2020 American election or talking about COVID. Like those seem to be right. the buttons that you're not allowed to push. And I'm the kind of person that when someone tells me don't push the button, I'm like, what this button? <laughs> so <laughs> it is what it is. But now what's interesting is so many people and thank God for them uh, supported me and, and many others that went through the same thing. And I was able to rebuild my income. I was able to grow my channels on these alternative platforms. And it just felt so freeing to be able to just speak openly and candidly. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I don't do it. I don't threaten anybody. I don't hate anybody. I don't, none of the things they say, it's just when you're pursuing the truth, You've got to think outside the box. You got to entertain different theory. I bring guys on and I entertain the theory for a while. And then sometimes I drop, like it's part of research, right? Investigation. Mm -hmm. And you you can't, you can't think and you can't do real journalism in an environment that they're just putting blockades everywhere. You can't say this. You can't say that you're offending everybody. I'm like, who cares? The truth is offensive. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. I'm not intentionally being offensive. I'm not intentionally trying to be uh, going against guidelines. I just... I feel like it's all a bunch of nonsense in many cases and we're adults. And I'll tell you what, if something I ever said, uh, offended somebody, you can, you have this superpower where you can just unsubscribe and not watch and go choose other content. Like why censor? So then I started doing shows on censorship and then bringing up <laughs> all the old stuff, about propaganda and Edward Bernays and mass mind control and all that. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of a nutshell of it. 
I love it, brother. Um, so well before COVID, you've been in it. So what was one of the first subjects you kind of got yourself into? 9-11, before that? Like how back, far back do you go? Well, for me, um, I'd say growing up, I was always into comparative religion, mythology, history, loved those subjects. Just always okay. found myself in the library curious about, you know, where do we, where do we get our ideas? Why do we uh, all disagree and kill each other over ideas? And, you know, what, what, it's just incredible. So I was always fascinated by that. My martial arts um, passion started young. So I was always in the history section looking up all the old Jeet Kune Do karate books, you know. And so I like that stuff. Then I got into the more fringe subjects like UFOs and paranormal stuff. Always love that stuff. And then um, as it came into 2000, 2001, my wife at the, well, she was just my girlfriend at the time. She was doing a political science degree and also a, a degree in media studies. And it was her that said, you shouldn't trust the media. Like you have to investigate <laughs> everything they're saying. And I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know? And then 9-11 happens. Uh, I was running cable. I was doing cable networking, working night jobs, just running internet cables in offices in Ottawa at the time, working night shifts. And the, all the government buildings got shut down for like a month. And so I lost that job. And, really? Uh, yeah. And then it just made me go, well, I want to go. Something felt weird with that event, you know, with what they were telling us. Some of the things didn't make any sense. Um, and so I started investigating that then loose change came out and zeitgeist, mm -hmm. and, you know, this is what, 2005, 2007. Uh, so I went, okay, I don't know if everything is true in those films, but something in it just seems like they're missing something when it comes, like the government narrative is, is missing something. And then mm -hmm. that grew my suspicion. And the more you research and then you learn about the true face behind politics. You learn about the money masters. You learn about the secret societies. You learn about the round tables. You go into history a little bit. I started also uh, studying a lot of cults. I was interested in that, like especially because um, California, for example, where I was going back and forth to quite a bit, is just the cult hub. And it's um, the capital of the world. I just saw it's like the cult that, like, capital, like right next to Brazil, hmm. I think. And did, uh, you, did you get into that hippie one, the hippie valley, whatever it's called? The, oh, Can was it Laurel Canyon and all that? Yeah, Laurel Canyon, yeah. that one. Did you yeah. see that? Oh, yeah. I even went to go see it. <laughs> like, I went there and I went to this place for one of the sh episodes of Unexplained called the Museum of Death. And we had to mm -hmm. show up at like four in the morning. And then I had to shoot all day in there. And they were covering the Heaven's Gate cult. And what this museum is, if you can imagine it, is a museum of a collection of all the paraphernalia, photographs, newspaper clippings, whatever, of all the crazy serial killers and cults that happened in the California area. And so I went in and it's just, a, it's a museum of death. It's pretty creepy, but it was interesting in terms of research because, and I didn't know at the time that it was going to become relevant, but okay. as it all came up to, this was right as we're leading up to the whole pandemic, I was, you know, cause I did my journey going through all the conspiracies and all that. And then I was researching cults and and then they wanted to do a show on cults. So I was diving in deep on it. And I had like the blueprint of a cult on my desk as I started to turn my attention over to what they were telling us regarding the pandemic. And I started to go, is there, are they reading from the same blue book as I, a blue or blueprint as I am right now? Because they're literally creating a cult like mindset around this. And so that's what inspired me to start creating this documentary series that I've been working on. It's a free documentary series called Cult of the Medics. And I'm 10 parts in uh, or nine parts in working on chapter 10. And it's an it's basically a collection of all my research into all these things, all 
centered around looking into the occult history, the hidden history of the medical industrial complex, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, the whole thing. Cause that was another curiosity of mine because, uh, my mother was in and out of the hospital my whole life. Um, I was always wondering why she was getting worse every time she'd go see these doctors or experts or whatever, not better. She had all these medications she'd have to take. I remember having to be the one bringing the, the, the little case of like the AM, PM, uh, all the yeah. meds she would have to take. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was just like, I felt bad as a kid. I didn't know anything about it, but I just felt like, I feel like this is wrong. I just feel like, cause she's not getting better. I, I feel like I'm losing my mom. Her personality changed. She got addicted to morphine. All these things started to happen. Uh, she developed a seizure disorder on and on we go. And so I guess part of me was looking at it like, well, there's something wrong with this medical world, like, cause they're not being, uh, upfront about everything. And then I had other friends and family that had bad experiences and I went, okay, well, maybe we got to look behind the curtain of, of big pharma and the medical system. So I did, I started gathering research on that. So this series I've been doing is a culmination of all these things we're talking about. It's a, a little bit about the pandemic, a little bit about ancient occult secret societies and freaky, freaky satanic networks. It's a bit about um, kind of doing a profile of both the cult leaders and the cult followers, you know, asking the question, there are many tyrants, political tyrants in history. There are many famous cult leaders in history, but they would all be out of business if they didn't have raving fans uh, coming out the wazoo of people that just love this stuff. So there's right. something in us that's attracted to these very charismatic cultists and uh, we're very easy to take advantage of. And knowing that, um, I realized, okay, there's a game being played on humanity right now. And the media is just fanning that flame. And there's got to be something bigger going on here that, um, you know, we got to look at. So that's really, those are sort of all the influences. I kind of threw a lot at you there, but I, I hope mm -hmm. it just gives you an idea of where my mindset was at when I was uh, really creating my content on, on my show and in my films. Well, I'm kind of inspired because you're talking about being a martial artist, doing a lot of tough stuff. So you're Joe Rogan. You're into this conspiracy theory stuff. So you're Alex Jones. And you're making series and TV stuff. So you are um, Jesse Ventura. So did they go and have a child and throw him up in Canada? Because it seems to be like you have the same type of mentality and the same type of desire to bring the truth out as all three of those gentlemen do. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I've learned from greats. That's all I can say is um, this like is this is i've i've got i've got inspired myself by many of my mentors and i mm -hmm. guess i felt like i was doing a lot of this research privately just out of my own curiosity it was just my like my first video log on youtube was just me talking about these problems we're seeing in the world and it came from a genuine place of just my own curiosity and my natural inquiry into this and then i found these different research like i work with michael tessarian i work with um, you know, many's I've interviewed all the greats in this field, you know, Jim Mars and all those guys, um, Jordan Maxwell, you know, I grew up with those guys and learned a lot from them. Paul Hellier, former defense minister of Canada, uh, spent a lot of time with him, um, and just learned from, from everybody. And then I went, okay, I can't just keep this to myself. I felt sort of honor bound to do a justice to this work that, uh, is just really in its birth birthing uh it's the birth of it it's not even that old this research field and so i wanted to carry that torch and just add my little two cents into it but really i if you notice and anybody that's followed my show i'm constantly reading out quotes and passages from books and articles and clips from 
from guys that are trying, I'm trying to showcase them. I'm trying to say, Hey, mm -hmm. someone has already thought about this. People have already researched this. I know there's a lot of new people waking up to the tyranny happening in our world, but they're probably not aware of some of the great men and women who've come before us that have already hacked the case, cracked the case rather, have already wrote, written books, have already given us uh, the map on it. And all we have to do is go back, take out the gems of their work and then improve upon it and build upon it as events unfold. And so I'm excited to be a part of this. I, I love the work that I do, but I also feel like it's more than just some hobby. Now it used to just be kind of like a hobby. Now it's suddenly very relevant. And now I, I'm thinking more about my kids. I'm thinking I want to leave a legacy so that when they look back in history, they'll be able to say, this is what my dad was doing in the great, mm -hmm. you know, great reset era or whatever we're going to call it. Right. Um, and hopefully when the truth is revealed and freedom wins the day and, uh, we start erecting museums, just like we have world war II museums, you know, talking about the time we're in, I'm just hoping that my kids will look back with pride that I was there the whole time doing my best to try to get good information out and to try to fight back. And that's kind of what really motivates me now. That's awesome, brother. And same here as well. Uh, we just have to get rid of those statue tear down people and we got to have museums again in the future. Like we got to get yeah. rid of this woke or we won't even be able to bring statues back. Yeah. Make statues great again. Make statues um, great again. Yeah. We got to remember about our history, don't you think? I agree. I agree. Well, if you forget your history, all of, all of it, this is what these nitwits don't get is that you, you start tearing down history because you don't like something about it. Right then you're going to be forgetting that history. And then guess what? It's going to repeat itself. So whether we have the debate about every statue and every guy, not everybody's a saint, not everybody's a sinner. We're humans. And even right now, um, you know, it's like the old thing uh, from the Bible where the Christ is saying, you who's without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone if you're going to judge somebody, right? I've always, that's always stuck with me is that these uh, sort of, um, what does Thomas Sowell call them? The vision of the anointed. He's like, these are the anointed ones that are here to fix the world and correct history and, and make all the bad feelings go away. And it's like, no, history is a mixed bag of good and evil. And every race, culture, group, religion, there's nobody gets out of it unscathed when you look at it objectively. And so we look at this as a human condition. And what we need to do is move forward and try to build a better world and a better system and fix problems from the past, not revel in the past, dwell in the past, play the blame game Olympics of who was the biggest victim or whatever. We got to resolve these issues and come together as human beings. We're parents, we're fathers, we're mothers, we're cousins, we're aunts, we're uncles, we're brothers and sisters. And we come from different backgrounds. We all have our, our strengths, our weaknesses. Uh, right now, here's the thing. I think that we're all under attack by a, 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 there's basically a common enemy that we have, and that is the enemy of truth and freedom. And it wears many different masks and people have thought of it in different ways. But if we get stuck arguing about these little uh, things that are honestly meaningless in the big picture, then we're going to lose our country. We're going to lose our sovereignty. We're going to lose our freedom. We're going to lose our health. We're going to lose literally our humanity. I mean, Jason, I'm sure you've been following what's going on with this WEF and some of these guys. Oh, it's in my I was just watching, Yeah, I was just watching <laughs> yeah. the uh, Yoel Harari speech where he was talking about transhumanism and the future of AI. And he's literally saying that humanity, the age of humanity is over. Humans mm -hmm. 
are a thing of the past. He's like, the earth will continue on. The world will continue on. It's not the end of the world. It's just the end of humanity. And they're basically looking at creating a cyborg-like uh, creature, a humanity 2.0 to move on. And that's what I think is the reason behind a lot of this wokeism and a lot of the stuff they're doing to uh, bring these types of things into the schools, whether the people that engage in it know it or not. The bigger agenda to me is that they're trying to create the perfect breeding ground to create the new type of human. And they mm -hmm. want that particular psychology, that particular belief system installed at a young age so that um, everything our forefathers fought and died for to create in terms of freedom and prosperity and um, family values and traditional values, um, that that's going to be washed away and replaced with something that I think we can't even imagine if we don't fight back. So it's imperative people uh, turn off the news, do your own independent investigation, uh, come and listen to shows like this, hang out with Jason every week, come check out my right. show and learn everything you can about uh, how we can correct a lot of the propaganda that's out there trying to mind control people and how we can preserve our humanity and preserve our freedom. And if we do that, if enough people do that, it's not going to be a political solution in the end. I think that will win it. Maybe that'll be down the line, but in the beginning, it has to come from human beings, human minds that wake up to what's really been going on and then start with their family. You know, we can't fix the whole thing. One of us, but we can fix our family. We can fix our kids. We can get in our community. We can uh, unite with other like-minded people and homestead and and come together the way humans are meant to put aside our divisions and be the actual change for once instead of you know shooting guns at each other and attacking each other over every little thing and every little disagreement while there's an enemy knocking on our door right now that wants to see us all um you know uh, just put in chains and so yeah it's a big fight it's a big picture but i think in the end the good is going to win well, I think to get to where he was talking about to the cyborgs, he needs a compliant uh, populace. He needs they need right. to be compliant. It can't be by force. So it's going to be through persuasion. It's going to be through confusion, and it's going to be through consent. And that's where I'm going to kind of get to this next part with you. So you sure. brought up cults, and cults. We had cults in like the '60s and '70s, and started to grow from there. And you saw how people were able to be confused or programmed, or possibly like. Manchurian pro, um, agent or whatever it's called, I would consider that to be small formation psychosis, localized mm -hmm. formation psychosis. And then you get to the larger cults where they had the big ones. Um, that's large <laughs> formation psychosis. Are you seeing the pattern here? And then as we're learning how to do that, did we eventually get to mass formation psychosis? So were we for the last 40 years or so learning through the cult world how to cult people's minds and program people's minds from smaller groups to bigger groups to larger groups to massive groups all the way to this point because you use terms like wake up and you use terms like we have to help these are people who are not connected anymore with reality are, mm -hmm. is this a type of cult and what is your take on mass formation psychosis is this a real thing and did we progress our way there really good question um yes i do so actually in chapter nine of my series i do a whole the whole thing is focused on mass formation psychosis and what used to just be called mass hysteria it was coined right. by gustav Lebon in the early 1900s who wrote a book called the crowd a study of the popular mind 
And he was a sociologist and he went in and he started to notice that there's this phenomena of human consciousness where we can become entrapped in the group mind. And when you, and there, there's actually a virtue to it. There's actually a, a, a function to it, but it can be easily taken advantage of. And the thing about us is a lot of like good people, right? This has been always the criticism. The reason evil is flourishing in the world or criminality or whatever you want to call it, tyranny or, you know, corruption. Uh, the reason it's so dominant is because the accusation has always been, well, good people are doing nothing. Well, my right. question is, why are good people doing nothing, right? You can't just end the sentence that evil exists because good people do nothing. Like, my question is, why? And the reason right. why is because we're blinded by our goodness. And what I mean by that is every cult, every political tyranny, think of Mao Zedong in China, think of any of them, okay? They prey on your virtues, to bring you into a collective hive mind, which means they're telling you a narrative that goes something like what we're hearing right now in Canada or with what with any of these things. There's a threat and there's inequality and there's all these things that we don't like in the world, but there's this threat that we need to unite around to fight against. And the only way we can fight against this threat is if we come together and we all operate the same, we all think right. the same. We have mm -hmm. a, a totalitarian structure that there's this government big daddy system that's going to dictate what the edicts are going to be. And that's going to keep everybody in a, in a place where, you know, they don't need to be confused anymore if they're taking orders from the leader, right? So they put a charismatic leader in front of you. And this person is, is preying on your emotions and preying on your virtues and calling to your virtue to say, hey, don't you want to save grandma? Don't you want to exactly. save these little kids? Don't you want to help those poor people in those other countries? Just let them come and move in with you. Like, like don't you want to stop the weather that's so hot right now? You just pay more taxes to the government. We'll take care of it. Like, uh, don't you want to fix these problems? Just give up your freedom and your mobility rights. Like, we'll take care of it. And and it's like, think of like Jim Jones. I love that example because it's perfect. Because Jim Jones openly said he was literally the principle of socialism incarnate. He used to say this. No. He called him the black-haired raven. And he would go and preach uh, in these uh, black and white communities that were trying to form you know, at the time, think of this, when was it? You know, I can't remember the, the dates, 70s or 60s. And he would, so that was the virtue. Here's a big church. And for the first time, we're going to have blacks and whites in the same church together, worshiping God. That sounds great. We're creating unity and community. So it starts with that. And then it's slowly, the temperature raises. And then it's all about the cult leader. It's all about Jim Jones. And then, you know, well, we're not just going to do it here in this church. We're going to go buy an island somewhere or an area on an island, and we're going to all move there and, and build an off-grid community, right? Hey, there's nothing wrong with building an off-grid community, but who's leading it and what's the real purpose? Well, we found out how that experiment worked. Over a thousand or under a thousand people all committed mass suicide together under the yeah. direction of the mass for, or the, I guess the mini formation psychosis that was induced by this cult leader. So you're right. They take, I think the, the when we're talking at the big players that are the, they're the ones that create the narrative that who's writing the scripts for Trudeau and Freeland and all these people who's writing the scripts for Klaus Schwab, even who's like those people. Okay. Right. They are very, very, very well aware of how things went down in Nazi Germany, the Soviet union and China and Cambodia. They know they have all that data. They know human psychology inside out forward and backwards. They know it on an individual level and a collective level. 
and we don't know those things. So that's the disadvantage. So all they have to do is prompt you with certain words, phrases, even symbols, and, and charismatic leaders that have a particular, uh, even voice inflections and all this kind of stuff. Like listen to the mm -hmm. way Trudeau gives a speech. I know it's nauseating, but just for study purposes, just listen to the voice inflection. Listen to the, look at his gestures. Look at the way his demeanor is. That was practiced. That was rehearsed because he doesn't know what he's, he's a puppet. Okay. The red phone rings, he picks it up and does what he's told. All right. So that's how all these people are. They're groomed and they're raised to be mini Jim Jones cult leaders to get people to come in. And what is their slogan? We're here to help the poor and the needy. We're here to unite the world. We're here to end racism and fight homophobia. We're here to uh, stop climate change. We're here to stop viruses. And, and we're coming together in this and we're, we're expanding our government as big as we are because that's what's necessary to fix the problem. But you go, wait a minute, uh, Stalin did this, Hitler, all of them did it, right? So this is what we need to, people to do is morality and virtue is what makes you human, but it must come with your rational reason and a sharp critical eye. So you must be able to watch when you're being lured into uh, this virtue signaling cult that's just trying to make you feel like you're helping when really you're not helping the cause you think you are, you're helping these guys with their cause. And what's their cause? What's the big conspiracy you're gonna ask? It's very simple, my friend, in my opinion, if I look at it from a historical perspective or what we're seeing now, this is about dominant control over land resources and wealth and in order for that to be achieved you need to create mass formation psychosis amongst the people that live on that land that live and control those resources and that actually produce the wealth because let's not forget it's us it's our labor our mental labor our physical labor us regular folk that create the wealth they create the ideas at the top but it's us that put it into action and so if they can get us working for them and not working for us, they don't need armies to invade countries mm -hmm. to take them over anymore. They need mm -hmm. to work in the world of what's called asymmetric warfare or fifth generation warfare, which is essentially taking control of the microphones, of the pulpits, of the places where people go to get information and getting their players put in those positions to pour liquid honey in your ear to recruit you into the cult. And the reason they prefer the cult blueprint is because what that is like is like having one leash for many necks at once. And you just got to tug on one le the leash once and everybody heals at once. If you have too many diverse opinions, and even it's funny that word diversity, the diversity is our strength, but not diversity of opinions or thinking now, not that. That's correct. You have to be all that's lockstep. A threat. Yeah, that's a threat to them. Then they, they get you in consensus trance. Notice that they're saying stuff. Oh, we only go with consensus science. What's the consensus? What's the consensus? That's got nothing to do with the way science was supposed to be founded. Most of the scientific discoveries and theories that actually held water and made our lives better were invented by the rogues, invented by the mavericks that were actually trying to, they were, maybe were locked up or burned at the stake for crying out loud, right? So mm -hmm. that's why I say to people, just remember that there's a blueprint that you can study to see how what's happening right now in Canada, just as one example, has already happened again and again in time. And I learned this, Jason, my last little rant here. My, I learned this when I was out uh, going to the ledge in BC here and meeting all these wonderful, beautiful Canadian people that were just coming together from different backgrounds and trying to promote freedom 
and stand up to this government. There was no violence. There was no hate. And we were coming together. And I started meeting people from Poland, from Romania, from China, from Russia. Uh, I had this Russian woman I was talking to, and she was like, you need to know in Canada that this happened already in Russia. It was the same. They did the same thing. And I was like, wow. So listen to those people that have come here from communist countries, and they will tell you that this blue this game has been played already many times before. And so uh, listen to them. Listen to the Alexander Solzhenitsyns of the world. Listen to these people who've lived it and uh, learn how to spot the deception, which is they have weaponized your virtue against you. 100%. And we spoke to a gentleman by name of Daniel from Venezuela just a couple of weeks ago, and he echoed that completely because he watched Venezuela collapse because mm -hmm. it went socialist. It went virtuous. It, it, yeah. They had the government. They had a fake coup even. They tried to, and then they used that coup to crack down on everybody, you know, our, our convoy, a fake coup. And then the U.S. had one too. You know, they had their fake coup as well. He started to recognize that all over the world they're having these fake coups that are allowing the government to then crack down on people. So you're not wrong. Uh, if you spend if you spend any time with somebody from one of these communist countries or co countries that collapsed, they're going to tell you we are following lockstep completely with what they're doing. Now a whole bunch of things you said a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, yeah, and you know that. <laughs> uh, I get excited, man. I get excited. That's cool. I ain't gonna stop you either. Um, but one thing you were talking about kind of triggered me. Uh, I'm a technologist, so my first 40 years I was a nerd. I popped out with a keyboard and did all that kind of stuff. I'm the big data backend guy, the scale guy. You should know, and I'm pretty sure you're tuned into this. They're always doing experiments on us, all types of experiments, and they're in mm -hmm. advancing their technology and they're advancing their capabilities by just doing simple experiments on us. I'll give you an example. In order to track using GPS, you, in order to use it without the satellites, but you're using like the cell towers to triangulate for GPS coordination, in order to see if we can ever get to the point where there's a billion cell phones that could be tracked and where and we know where they are because this is what happened during covid if you noticed if you were in one of those lockdown areas and you drove out away and you went somewhere you were supposed to go you get a text message so what they were doing there was absolutely you know billions of cell phones they got this network and they're tracking them now how did they get there well it's through experimentation and and figuring out how to handle scales like that well if you remember before covid we had pokemon go Pokemon Go oh, yeah. was this amazing product all of a sudden that came out of nowhere that caused people to wander the streets of the physical world chasing digital imaginary things all the way to the point where they would go to places they don't belong. They would walk into streets. They would actually, some people have died because they weren't paying attention while they're driving. That was a massive experiment, if you don't realize this, David, to yeah. see if they can understand how to scale and track and move large groups of people with digital. You didn't have to go to anything physical that was real. You will follow digital things that aren't even real. You will pretend like they're there. Your screen will show you this little thing that you're fighting, but it's not in the real world. Um, that was a massive uh, campaign and experiment to learn a whole bunch of things, not just the technology portion of it, but what will people do? <laughs> what will they follow? They're following fake coins in Pokemon world, and they're willing to walk kilometers to do it they're burning their resources as humans to follow this fake stuff that was a massive experiment um I to agree. learn how how people would respond to that and i believe we well it's from their perspective we passed the test from our perspective we failed because we fell right into that trap mm -hmm. and i think now 
This is why um, they're so good at uh, all the GPS, the tracking, large volumes. Um, th they're handling massive, massive amounts of terabytes of data all the time. And it's because they do little experiments like that. Um, and I believe that. And I also believe SARS in Toronto was a precursor to COVID. Uh, yep. That was an experiment. They were just testing out what people would do in socialist Canada. Yep. And uh, we failed that test too. Well, passed it from their perspective, but failed it from our perspective because it did light lead them into, well, eventually COVID. Um, so you're in the same wavelength on that. You, you can oh, observe yeah. the world and you see them doing these things, yep. especially when it's free or fun or something exciting. You should really be paying attention to it because if it's free, you're the product. And if you're the product, well, what's what's the solution that they're trying to trying to work on here? So, you know, well, I, I you're, you're, you're so right. I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, I think I did this in chapter four where it was a kind of a darker chapter because I looked at the history of human experimentation. Some of the more uh, overt ones, the, the more gross ones, like right? ones. You injecting know. you and stuff back then. Yeah. Yeah. Agent Orange. We're doing that now, though, aren't we? Injecting. And all that. Yeah. And um, and then also things like experiments that have been run by various intelligence agencies over the years, you know, getting into the MK Ultras, the Milgram experiments, right. uh, these kind of things, right? Stanford prison well, programming. Programming. And don't forget, every time they run an experiment, it's not like this isolated experiment that they just go, okay, looks like we got our answer. That goes into an archive that ends up becoming a resource of information and intel for future experiments, right? So right. what you're talking about there with Pokemon Go and even thinking back to like, ice bucket challenge and some of these public things right. run for cancer cures and this kind of stuff. What it does is like, okay, how, we've been running for cancer cures and giving billions and billions of dollars to various charities for how many decades now? And uh, how come cancer is like one in three? <laughs> so somebody's get to buy a yacht out of that. Number one, mm -hmm. people get to feel like they contributed to something by running for cancer cures. And then nothing happens because they're not doing it for the cancer. Care. The, the really big players are always monitoring and saying, we're studying human behavior, human patterns, and we're gaining, we're gaining a lot of information and we could use to our advantage. You also have not just the government doing this and intelligence agency, you have multinational corporations doing this. You have banking firms doing that. They do experiments all the time to see how are they going to react to a little bit of inflation? How's it, what's the reaction? And the market is driven by this, right? So, you know, there's a whole system that's there. And here's the caveat. Nobody was given fully informed consent as to whether right. or not they're taking part in an experiment. And then COVID happens. And I made this point in chapter eight of my series where I was talking about, I did a little section called the cult of intelligence. And I got into the history of the CIA and all those groups, mm -hmm. you know, Mossad and all that. And I went, think about what happened during this pandemic, whatever everybody's opinion of it is, leave that aside, zoom out. This was the largest intelligence gathering operation in human history. And what I mean by that, there was actually news reports coming out of Global News and CBC News even, which I was shocked to see, where it was in 2021, I saw the report, where they were openly talking about how the Canadian government was tracking your cell phones, your movements, your behaviors through your cell phone data without your knowledge or consent. Mm -hmm. They even denied that they were doing it originally. And then it later came out, oh, oh yeah, our bad, we, we kind of did that. And you know that alone should be, there should be a criminal trial for this right away, right? Sure. But of course, no, it was all for, we just needed to know so we can save grandma, right? So you, know, you sit back and you go, this kind of stuff happens a lot more than people think. And I think a lot of people would prefer this not to be true, which is why mm -hmm. they'll attack you for talking about it. It's not that it's not true. It's that they don't want it to be true 
and therefore it doesn't exist. But I think that the history of the human species, uh, there's been groups and you know elites and whatever's we can talk about that uh, that have been using various forms of experimentation to further particular political or other agendas. And it's not for the benevolence of trying to help improve our technology no, and humanity's lives. It's not because look how we're living. It's inflated currency. Like look at what we're in right now. So, um, and what's also really unique about our current situation, Jason, is that when I used to study all this stuff going on in these various totalitarian uh, regimes and whatnot and all these cults, those were all isolated instances in one country or another or one mm -hmm. area or another. What we're going through right now is a global version of that. And that's what's really fascinating to look at and horrifying as well is that the, they've gotten to the point where they could literally con the entire world for an extended period of time and get people to give up their rights, their property, rat on their friends and just become totally different types of people just by the power of suggestion being repeated over and over and over again by the media. So to me, the media, the mainstream media that's funded and built by powerful government agencies and powerful international corporations that don't really have an allegiance to our country. I don't know if anybody in Canada has figured it out yet. All the parties, conservative, liberal, they don't have an allegiance to Canada anymore. They are allied to international agreements, international groups, and international power brokers that if we trace that lineage and follow that money, take you to even higher levels that work behind them. And that's the kind of work that I like to get into is who is really sitting at the top of this? What is their mm -hmm. goal? Because clearly humanity's best interest is not their top priority. 100%. But what do you think is their top priority? If it's not, well, it's not humanity's interest, it's theirs of some sort. But what do you think is their top priority right now? Dominant control over land. Yeah, dominant control over land, resources, and wealth. Um, they also, I think, have a particular view that many uh, psychopaths and dictators have where they believe that they are the chosen anointed ones right. to be right. the sort of leaders of humanity, right? And that's why mm -hmm. they always have that, that type of vibe of, we're here to save the world, right? Come, come right. save the world with me. Uh, really, it's just, well, saving the world might sound nice, but what when, when you realize they're trying to create a new world order, uh, mm -hmm. that after their image and their likeness, that there's something else bigger going on behind that. And in the end, I think it's about power and control. It always has been. I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody. You can call it conspiracy theory, call it whatever you want. That term doesn't even do it justice. We're talking about this is the pursuit of power. And whether we're talking the Caesars in Rome, the pharaohs of Egypt, the British Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the like on and on we could go. Humanity's history is just nothing but a fight for power and control. And so for us to think that World War II happened and all evil was extinguished from the world and now everything's all up and up, right? You got to be the most naive person walking if you think that. I think it actually just got more sophisticated. It went underground. As you said, it wasn't as overt. It's much more subtle. It's much more, it's like, what do they say? It's like uh, they're trying to speak to your child mind and, and be like, we're going to mm. take care of you and and it just, just join us and, and give us everything and we'll, we'll be there to take care of all of your issues and problems. And you know what? You don't even have to work a job anymore. All you guys coming out of school, you're worried about how you're going to pay for your debt. Don't worry. We'll just absolve the debt. Uh, you got problems with your mortgage. Oh, don't worry. We'll just absolve the debt. You're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. And when they say that, Jason, you and I know 
That mm-hmm. means you will be enslaved. That's what that means. If you have any sense in your mind and you realize what they're trying to do, they are trying to take your power away, your independence away, your property away, your kids away, everything away, because they want to create a one world system controlled top down by a centrally controlled, bureaucratic, unelected, faceless bureaucracy that uh, I don't know if anybody understands the implications of just how horrible that would be. For human well, freedom. I'll help. Freedom. I'll help make them understand. I'll help make them understand. Please. So the Ottawa Police Services. We'll just micro it. We'll go to one small example. Instead of being <laughs> global, we'll go to one one yes. small example. Uh, Ottawa go Police Services it. during the uh, convoy. At one point, before they came out and started bashing heads and really being rough, they had to get rid slowly too. Um, they got rid of about twenty percent of the police force, and these are the people that wouldn't vax. So they ro- rolled in this vax requirement. 20% of them said, no, thanks. And they said, okay, go home and relax. So all you were left with was the 80% who said, sure, we'll do whatever you say. Now, during that, you also saw some people fired. And I got some reports from uh, uh, Edmonton Police Services from Rick Abbott, who was fired for this reason. Within the police force itself, they were shaming officers who went vax. They had to eat in a different room that was called the shame room. And there was people fired. So they were not scapegoated, but they were given examples of what would happen if you don't comply. You have to go to the shame room, you get fired, especially if you get frustrated about it, we'll get rid of you. So that was a way of filtering out critical minds, critical Mm -hmm. thinkers. And then what we ended up with were just the ones that will do whatever they're told to go out on the street and do whatever they're told. So this is why you're seeing charter violations and the police officers not doing a a good job. They, They know they're doing things wrong, but they're already compelled through force. Uh, I'll lose my job. Uh, I'm going to be the odd duck here. Everybody else is doing it because you have that mind mentality, the uh, group mentality as well going. So on that micro level, they were able to take out what we would want in every group, critical thinkers, strong people. They got them all out and they were left with the sheep that were willing to baton people on command. Even if they weren't being attacked, they would do that. So on a small micro level here in Canada, we saw this this work happening where they were able to take out a subsection that would normally be the ones that would stand up and help shepherd the rest of them and say, hey, look, you other 80%. Well, we lost them. Uh, maybe we got too close. Uh, maybe we're over the uh, truth bombs here. But we'll see if he comes back because I was really intrigued in that conversation. Um, normally, it's just an internet glitch and they'll come back. But where I was going with that is they were taking away the people that would fight for us because normally police officers will do the right thing unless they're under some sort of command or spell not to. Um, let me just go check quickly on my Twitter, see if he's popped up there. But yeah, sorry, David, that we lost you for a second there. That was a good conversation. So maybe we just got too close to the truth there. Um, give me a second here, folks. I'm actually going to go try and get a hold of him. So let me go ahead and play a video for you while I'm waiting. So we are on our third month. So if you're new to the channel, this is just our third month. Uh, we're in the first week of the third month. And we just finished our second month. So what I'm going to do is play a little video here to remind you who was on the show. And it's Greg Arcade's song, Homegrown, which is quickly growing to be one of my favorite songs. Um, so go ahead and enjoy this video. And while you're doing that, I'm going to go see what happened with uh, David. I do want to finish this conversation with him because we're just getting started. I'll be right back. Well, it sure does seem like things are getting crazy out there. Trains off the rail, there's a dark cloud up in the air. 
And it's been going on so long It's hard to find a reason to care So I can get bent out of shape Or I can answer with a mile long stare I'd rather get a little home Cold place out in the country I could call my own space To grow a garden Need the greenhouse Don't raise a little family He's gone. I need Giorgio. It was aliens. He's gone. Uh, it looks like he's offline. Um, no Twitter, no email, and no stream. So he may have lost internet. That's kind of what it's looking like at this point. Where's Giorgio when I need him? It's aliens. It's aliens. Um, what I was doing was I was looking for some videos from him to maybe use that to uh, entertain everybody here because I really didn't want to lose his hour. 
but what we're going to do is wait a bit longer, and I'm going to see if I can find something here. Um, there's a lot of long videos. Let me see if I can find something that's 20 minutes or so. Because I do want to get some more of his content to you, because he's an excellent, excellent um, documentary maker as well. And I wanted to get more into the, the details of his 10-part uh, series that he's working on. Uh, but unfortunately, we may have lost him. Yeah, I'm getting no responses here. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the conversation. I think he was doing good there. It's just simply the connection. So apologies, folks. This is what happens with live TV. Um, but what I'm going to do, I think I might wrap it up early for you because uh, I do have a church barbecue to go to. So this, maybe there's a reason why he dropped, maybe to make my less my life a little less stressful right now. Uh, but David, I'm going to wait a few more minutes here for you, bud. Um, and let me entertain the folks with another song, uh, Bury With My Boots On. That's three minutes. I'll be right back. Hey, and uh, Greg Arcade, thanks for letting me have your songs and playing them. There you go. I'll be right back. When I die and when I'm gone, bury me with my boots on. Play my favorite country song. Burn that fire till the wood's all gone. Burn that fire till the wood's all gone Keep it bright till the break of dawn Don't be sad if I am gone Just bury me with my boots on When I die and when I'm gone Bury me with my boots on Play my favorite country song Burn that fire till the wood's all gone Be it gun or be it road be free from pain, I hope And if it be when I am old Just bury me with my boots on When I die and when I'm gone Bury me with my boots on Play my favorite country song Burn that fire till the wood's all gone Lays me in my grave, I pray that I'll be saved and now lived in a way that makes those around me proud to say when I die and when I'm gone, bury me with my boots on, play my favorite country song, burn that fire till the woods are gone. When I die and when I'm gone, bury me with my boots. Don't be sad if I am gone Just burn that fire till the wood's all gone
He's not back. He's not back. And I'm getting no responses. And it's certainly not like him. He is very responsive. And I tried all my avenues with him. Uh, thanks, Jason. Seeing all your past guests gives me hope and makes me feel not so long. It's like my phone's made sound. I'll see if it's him. Nope. Nope. It's a notification from Gab. Somebody likes something on Gab. Uh, sorry, folks. We don't have the rest of David, it appears. Um, should I give it one more song and, and give him one more chance? And then we'll wrap it up because, uh, yeah, I can't speak for him. Uh, I'll try one more song. Uh, I might find a video. I'll be right back. I feel bad that uh, we're running short here, folks. Hmm. The Great Awakening. Maybe that'll wake everybody up. The Great Awakening. Here you go. go hey buddy how you doing good am i back can you hear me okay yeah yeah okay yeah so we sorry. were just no worries we greg arcade it so no loss on this side we were all okay. good <laughs> i was excited to hear your follow-up there i had to run to my dojo because i just had a, a power just went out at my house just everything shut off. oh man yeah no seizures <laughs> can be really touchy sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know what i gotta get that starlink and uh, some backup generators and all that stuff to help with it Hey, brother, I have a Starlink here that's sitting in a box because I got the Gen 2 one. Really, eh? Mm -hmm. Well, let me, uh, yeah, I got to look into it because I've been looking at that anyways. So mm -hmm. uh, this is you got me email. that I need to do it. Say, so, like I said to them, I think it's, I thought it was internet because your email and your Twitter, there's no response. I'm like, oh, he's got to be, it's got to be a major issue on his side. Yeah, no, just the whole house just powers out. So I don't know what's going on. There's no storm or anything. It's just, well, we're in a heat storm. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can they get harp? What are they doing with harp? Are they upset with this conversation? Because when I, I did Jeremy know. McKenzie, I had a hailstorm just out of the blue as soon as I got on with him. Really? It was massive back there. Of course, I don't think it's harp. But um, I think it was hilarious that, uh, yeah, a big guest like that that has heavy things to say and the weather's starting to act up. Weird things. I know. 
Yeah, it's interesting. But you were talking about, I was, you were trying to bring in the Ottawa thing, Ottawa police thing or something we were talking about. Right. I was just saying how they were filtering out um, the non-compliant officers, the ones that wouldn't um, do the uh, vaccination. And we mm. saw this in Edmonton as well. So we spoke to Rick Abbott in Edmonton, who was a staff sergeant. And when he was working there, someone brought it to his attention. Now, keep in mind, Rick is vaccinated, like he, he, and he's upset now about it, but he said he fell for it. But he mm. was vaccinated. So he was surprised to hear that non-vaccinated police officers were being told to go eat in a separate room, and they were calling it the shame room. And they were doing everything they could to shame and get officers to comply. Now, in Ottawa, they got about 20% of them filtered out because they were the ones that wouldn't uh, take the vaccination and didn't want to do it. So because of that, you were left with officers who were, A, compliant to whatever the, the leadership said, B, scared that if they didn't comply with it, they'll lose their job, lose their mortgage, lose their family, those kind of things. And then C, not standing up when they saw something wrong. So with that combination of the mindset, like a cult, um, they could, that's a programming. They're, they're basically yeah. programmed to be able to do whatever you tell them to do against their own morals even and ethics as well and that's what gave the condition i believe that allowed the police officers to go way overboard and they didn't stop whereas normally if you had your entire normal group or, or community there represented like all the minds there you would have had strong people stand up and say no 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 this is not right yeah and then and then and that's usually one out of five so usually about 20 percent of the group can lead the other 80 percent. they took the leaders out so there That's was right. nobody, there was nobody left on the ground, which was brave enough to be the one that said, no, we're not doing this. That's why we were able to program the police and, and force them to even do things that their own conscience wouldn't do. Because you took all the strong leaders out, all the ones that would stand up. And that concerns me that they're doing that across the board. So not just police forces that we're talking about here. This is everything. So in yeah. unions, anybody that will stand up, they're out. I had a government job at the beginning of COVID and I asked about uh, antibody testing mm. at the very beginning. This was before we had vaccinations. I had asked about antibody testing because I believed it was like chickenpox. Once you got it, you're good. And what we really needed to know was who in the office has already gone through it like chickenpox. So it's not a big deal. They did not want that conversation to happen. And I was unemployed shortly after. Um, so however we want to look at it, I think a lot of industries, especially the unions, the governments and uh, authorities, they were pulling out the Mavericks, the ones that would stand up and fight and pushing them off to the side, making them non-essential, those kind of things. So all you were left with were the uh, robots. You know, yeah. They're not hybrid hybrids yet, but they basically functioned like one um, and did whatever well, they were told. Yeah. And this is it's, it's a good thing you pointed out. And it happens on all scales. This has been going on for quite some time. This reminds me of all the research I did into like the Cecil Rhodes roundtable organization, that structure where he basically came up with that system. Well, it wasn't just him. This was also something done within a lot of these Masonic orders and whatnot, where um, a lot of the original Masonic orders, like back in the 1600s, 1700s, were full of a lot of just good people that were trying to just research a lot of these arcane subjects and many of them ended up being in elite circles and whatnot and there's many statements that i've collected over the years from some of the top masons at that time that were speaking about how their order was being infiltrated by some very dark occult orders and um they eventually 
really turned it into this compartmentalized, almost like a military structure where they could flush out the moral ones that were just truly there for humanitarian purposes. And they can groom people to move into politics, into the unions, into industry, into finance, out of those fraternities. So there's um, there's a there's a history of them doing that. When you mentioned the shaming aspect, it made me think of what Mao did with the what did they call it? The it was the public. It was it, it basically boiled down to public shaming sessions of anybody that would speak out against the regime. They were shamed. They were beaten in public. They were ridiculed in public. Actually, even in the Game of Thrones uh, series where they have that one, I can't remember the one of the queens or whatever, is getting publicly shamed. It's kind of funny because that was that was a practice done in a lot of these communist regimes to rinse out anybody that would speak out against the regime. So the fact that they had shaming rooms for these cops or look what they did to all of us, even a citizen that was out there saying, hold on a minute, this is an experimental thing you want me to just take part of without fully informed consent uh i i I should be able to ask some questions on this and suddenly you're in the shaming room in terms of the public square right you can't go in the restaurants you can't go you get you have to stay in your little quarters and you're no longer welcome in society and your rights are all voided and the nuremberg code is voided and the rome statute and the iccpr is all vote it's all voided so they needed to find a way to breach all the international laws before this happened. And the way they did it was they got their people in to these positions. And I always wonder, Jason, is it um, like which of the premiers, which of the government agencies, which of the police chiefs, which of them are just useful idiots who just bought along and, and went along with it? Which ones were blackmailed? Maybe they had some dirt on them. I think of people like Doug Ford and whatnot. Maybe you got some blackmail mm. going on there. Which ones were just paid off? Some people are just, they're willing to sell their soul just for money. Um, what were they promised that allowed them to totally betray everything that we thought we knew as Canadians? And this would, of course, also apply. This is what's crazy. This didn't just happen in Canada. This was glo- this was all over the world. Everywhere. You know, and I spoke to, I've spoken to people from all over the world. I've, I've been on, I'm in many different uh, networks of people now, just people talking about this um, from all over. And it's amazing to see that it was the same blueprint in every country. So my question to the people that are like, oh, you guys just put conspiracy theorists. Well, how did they coordinate this on an international level and pull it off seamlessly in a very short period of time? They must have planned for it. They must have installed their puppets and their ideologues for a long time in order to be able to pull that off. And they must have had mechanisms to either pay off, blackmail, or even threaten. Which one of them, which ones of them had guns to their head in a way? You know, I wonder about that. How many maybe had their families threatened if they didn't go along and read the script? It, it just makes me wonder, you know? 100%. And as a politician to be, so I'm running as an independent for MP, I pay attention to that a lot because I wonder what would make them do something that they don't normally do. Let's take uh, Danielle Smith for an example. So when she was running for the leadership for the UCP, she was talking about how WEF shouldn't be involved in our province. She was, she laughed at the fact that somebody says WEF is involved and she's like, they shouldn't be. I don't understand why they should be. She made all of these uh, implications that she was not for the WEF. She wins the leadership for the UCP, and in her not her concession, in her congratulations speech, she's talking about uh, Jason Kenney, <clears throat> and then she starts mentioning a program 
I guess a lot of politicians do this. They like to kiss the butt of the other person, say, eh, everything wasn't bad, but at least I like this one thing. But the one thing that she said he she liked was uh, ESG scores. She said, I am impressed with the program that Kenny brought in for ESG. Now, when she said uh -huh. that, this was like minutes after winning the leadership. Well, not minutes, with, within a day or so. And immediately my jaw hit the ground. I'm like, does she not know what this is? Like, does she know what it is? Or is she just being an ignorant fool and saying, hey, I like some of his stuff. This one sounds good. Or, like you just said, is she just ignorant? I, I, I don't think she is. So I think what ended up happening was, oh, she let the cat out of the bag. That she does understand what that is because... That's one of the biggest drivers that controls countries, that controls companies, and then eventually employees and everybody else that works with them. Um, so to answer your question, I think it's a mix of all of them. Uh, I'm also going to talk about Maxime Bernier as an example. So Maxime Bernier, in 2008, he went to the WEF facilities, not the event. He didn't go to the main show. He's not part of the programming that's been well established at this point, contrary to what Andrew Lawton and uh, Pierre want to say about that. Yeah. Um, but but he was there. So 2008, he was there. He met with some uh, foreign, um, I think it was a foreign minister at the time, um, not finance. But anyways, he was working with a, a bunch of people in the Afghanistan war. Then he's part of the party. He gets the leadership. He almost wins. He leaves the party. He starts his own party. And then he sits down with a guy by the name of Mark Friesen in Saskatchewan. Mark sits in the car with him for a while as they drive across Saskatchewan. And when Mark started that car ride, he says, do you know about 2030 Agenda and the, the entire WF and what they're up to? And Max is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And Mark believed him. <laughs> so during this entire car ride for, I think he said it was like a couple of days as he's driving Max around Saskatchewan, he's telling him about all this stuff. And then at some point, Max, there's a click. Something in his mind clicked. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. This guy's not full of it. This guy's telling the truth. And then from that point on, Max started to talk about how important it was to fight against the globalists and how to take that agenda and, you know, stand up to it. The great resist, right? Uh, Which is rare, just to say. It's rare to see a politician <laughs> actually listen to a common man and get some information and then go, you know what? You're right. And then start openly talking about it. Like... You know, right. So, so to answer your question, Maxine's an example of somebody who might have just been oblivious to it. And he even was physically at their event in 2008 and still oblivious to it and has no idea really what's going on because he's just maybe too busy and he's got too much stuff and too much focus on stuff. And that could be the answer. <clears throat> they, <clears throat> excuse me, they're just paying attention to being elected, what the work has to be done, how to stay elected, and, and all that kind of stuff. And they really don't lift their eyes up enough to really take a good look. So Maxine was physically there in Davos, didn't know what was going on. Part of the Harper government, who, by the way, ushered in a lot of the stuff, still didn't know what was going on. I had arguments with people who said, well, Maxine was in the leadership. He must know all the secrets of the party. Therefore, he knows what's going on. I'm like, dude, do you have any idea how compartmentalization works? Like, they will just tell him what he needs to know and know more than that. Um, right. So I think that happened. And then we saw an example of him learning and then coming out of it and then now fighting against it. So I think there's a lot that could be that way. It might be the uh, one third, one third, one third rule. So one third, they're aware. One third, oblivious. And one third would never believe it, even if you told them. And, and that could be maybe the case here. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good breakdown. And there's many other precedents for that as well in other countries. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people about this also. And, you know, we do have those voices. You know, you got people even in the EU 
um, like uh, what's her name there? MP European Union. She came to Canada. Christine Anderson. Christine Anderson. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've had other dissident voices that have come out and started to see the bigger picture, and they're sounding more educated as time goes on. Like even Max, I've watched him. You know. Yeah, he's he's growing up, isn't he? He's growing more. <laughs> like he's he started talking about like he started talking about like chemtrails and stuff. He's talking about everything, and the uh, thing that's he's going quite like, far. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's talking about a lot of stuff. Um, and I try to tell people, like, also remember, like you were saying, a lot of these politicians and a lot of these journalists, they're in little micro uh, bubbles and they right. don't see it the way we see it. This is why I think the original convoy or resistance in Canada, however you want to label it, regardless of where it went to and what it may have gotten turned into, the original grassroots uprising of just so many people going, Okay, this we've had enough. Um, it, it it had people from. There's three police organizations in Canada that started fighting against this, right? There was nurses' unions. There was all the nurses that got fired. There's lawyers. There's people that know. But the question for me was always like, why is it never enough? Like, why, no matter what a small a group does that actually is pretty sizable, we can't seem to get any headway with our politicians. We're always hitting a wall. And then even with mm -hmm. People's Party of Canada, the big argument of the Conservatives is, well, Max can't even win a seat in his own riding, let alone federally. And then your only mm -hmm. answer is, well, I guess we're just here to play the long game, right? Uh, or go on the fight the battle locally. Um, and then there's the, the argument about, well, we need to just secede from the union and just Alberta needs to become its own country. And then you've got these people like Daniel Smith who are, sort of one foot in, one foot out. You're, she's fighting certain battles that are very That's important. frustrating, that one. And then another one, you're like, wait, but why are you going along with this? Or is it because you're making concessions in battle and you have to? Or is it because you are you don't know? Or is it because you're a puppet too? Like, these are the questions we all have. And then what really sucks, and I'm sure you feel it too, is that us Canadians that are the common people that see the big picture that these people can't see, because I just feel like there's a common sense factor that's missing from these politicians. They don't have mm -hmm. what we have. We have, we put our hands to work. We have to work for a living. We have to actually, we're entrepreneurs. We have to create value out of nothing. You know, like we're mm -hmm. family. Like I feel like there's a common sense thing that's missing from these politicians. And then what sucks is we start fighting with each other over these people and over these things and over these, and everybody's like, Oh, you just think that it's only the PPC or it's only Pierre Pauly ever. It's only, and I'm like, why tear each other to bits when we're the ones that actually have the big picture? None of those people do, but they could still be useful. They could still be useful in certain ways, right? And they're do, they are performing certain things that are helping to wake people up. So it's a catch-22. And I guess I keep coming back, if we think about solutions in Canada, I keep coming back to it's going to be a community-level thing. It's going to be starting with families, like individuals, families communities getting local that's what it sounds like you're going to be doing and mm -hmm. then hopefully that goes up to the federal level eventually but our other concern is like what happened in venezuela i've, I've interviewed from some people from there as well and other countries um it's the time is ticking right do we have enough time to really save this country before it's too late if we that's take that long too. game and i guess that's the that's the big debate right now you know yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to plug my book here. Okay. But I want to tell you about my book. Okay. So it's called right. Bearing Witness. 
Okay. It is a number one bestseller. So I don't know if that means oh, anything. Congrats. I get number one on Amazon with it. What it is, is it's a book about teaching people how to become a witness again. So for a long, long time, we've been chastising witnesses. Um, witnesses get stitches, you know, that kind of stuff. Don't talk. Don't do that. We even make it difficult for whistleblowers, which is the ultimate type of witness. They're willing to put their entire career on the line to tell the truth. And this entire part of our society, I believe, is missing. For example, we have bystander effect where people will just watch something happen and they will wait for someone else to do it or they don't think it's for them or they're just too scared but there's a bystander effect i think we have mass formation bystander effect <laughs> i think uh, <laughs> on the entire government level we're all just right. standing and waiting for somebody else to do it we're all capable we could we could stand up and be the first one to say no this is not right but they're not so my book is all about trying to encourage people to do that because throughout history Without witnesses, even biblically, without witnesses, we don't have a society. We can't find out what happened. We can't learn from it. Like, for example, the the science, the entire science is a, a observations of witnessing. This is what it is. Without proper witnessing, we can't do, like, anything. Now, when it comes to justice, I believe this is where witnesses are really falling apart here. Because we don't even have people that are willing to go to, say, story time hour and watch it just as a witness to see if there's anything going on there. And this is what the book's about. It's about teaching people to have the confidence, get the mental capacity for it, because it's not for everybody. You might see some bad things or you might see some trauma. Mentally, this could affect you. But to try and encourage and get people to understand, the, first, the value of witnessing historically why we're missing it now and then what it causes it causes a lot of people to turn away normally like even 60 years ago there would have been no way somebody did drag story time hour that simply yeah. would not have happened like the entire community would have absolutely vigilante that entire idea so how do we go from something that we all agreed we just don't do leave the kids alone all the way to well, we're now talking about at five, that's an appropriate time to start teaching them and cutting them up and start doing this stuff. How the heck did we go from that? I think it's the discouraging of witnesses. So in the hoods and on TV, all this kind of stuff. And in Canada, we had one extra piece of this puzzle that other countries didn't have. From the very existence of us as Canadians, we're told that we're polite and nice and say sorry, which is a defensive or offensive position. I mean, not offense. It's a defensive position. It's not an offensive position. In fact, our anthem says, stand on guard for thee. Right? It says, stand on guard for thee. So we've been told over and over and over again, we're not the ones that take the first step. Because of that, I think this is why we have such a passive environment and all of this stuff is easily adopted here. Because there's too many people looking away, too many people being polite, and nobody willing to stand up and take a step because we only stand on guard for thee. Um, and I think all of that was designed like 40 years ago. Um, I think the Socialist Canada was put into motion at least 40 years ago. And I, I think little things in our culture absolutely led to that. Now, who's responsible? We can certainly get into that. Yuri something. I can't remember his last name. Um, but it comes up oh, a lot. Yuri, Yuri. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So that comes up a lot when I get into this conversation. Um, and I don't know what the answer is to your other question, which is how do we fix this? Because it was 40 years in the making. Is it 40 years to unwind it? If we accelerate it, is it 20 years? Do we have 20 years? Oh, there's some really big questions there that I don't know the answer to. But what I do know is an answer is 
whatever they want you to do, which is take the power from the people, move it up to a centralized source, a global source, we need to do the opposite. So we need to take that yes. power and bring it back down to the people. So That's whenever right. they're like, let's move this to the federal level as a law, like, uh-uh, let's move it to the regional level as a law. Let's deal with it that way. Um, let's have a, a healthcare system at the federal level. Uh-uh, let's bring it back to the provincial, possibly even the municipal level. Um, let's get our healthcare back to the community. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at because I believe Canadians specifically, we were programmed at a very er early age to be passive, be very passive. And that creative created the lab or the environment that these globalists could play with. I know for a fact that Winnipeg is known in the restaurant world as a testing ground. If it works in Winnipeg, it'll work in everywhere in Canada because of the weather, the type of people. So when I grew up in Winnipeg for about 10 years, we had all the restaurants that nobody else in Canada had. We had an Applebee's. We had these restaurants here first in Winnipeg because if it worked there, then they can do it everywhere else. Well, that's Canada. Canada is the global Petri dish for a lot of this globalist stuff because if it gets, if it happens in Canada, if they can put up with it, Australia, France, yeah. New Zealand, other countries will fall in line. UK, they will fall in line similar to Canada. This is why we got SARS. I believe that's why we got SARS was mm. to test that out. Jason, that was incredibly insightful. I love, I'm going to have to check out your book and I'll have to maybe sure. get you on my show to break it all down. Cause that just that alone, the idea of a, being an enlightened witness. Um, and, and that's what everybody listening to this podcast right now, that's what you are. You are mm -hmm. a witness to this time. And that's what I've been saying to people to help get them away from the black pills, right? Flush right. the black pills. And what you do is you become active and proactive in the capacity that you have. We all see the big problem and we're all going insane trying to figure out how to solve it. Maybe the final solution of all of it isn't known yet, but what we can do is start with what we can do, which is document what's going on. Um, mm. Look how powerful even just some memes and some short little video clips can be. Like I went in uh, during the convoy inquiry uh, it was myself and a bunch of others were doing the same thing at the same time. We were all watching live and then right. just like screen recording a few minutes of like Danny Bulford on the stand or Tamara Leash or somebody else or some veteran or somebody and then just blasting it out. And some of those clips, man, got over like hundreds of thousands of views, whereas most people did not sit down and watch the entire inquiry, which what right. was that? I know that, yeah, it was a kind of a clown show and it was rigged against us, but it still happened. And it was still documented testimony. And we mm -hmm. caught all these administrators, like we caught a lot of contradictions. We caught Trudeau messing up many, many times. And we snipped it out and, and blew it up on TikTok and other platforms. That's, a, that's effective. That's being a witness and then sharing it. So you're kind of like a witness and an independent journalist at the same time. Correct. So if we can all become, that's what we're doing on social media. That's the power of social media. That's why they brought the fact checkers online right as that's the pandemic right. hit. Because that didn't exist before. And Correct. That's, uh, and that's so what fact checkers well. are. It's their witnesses yeah. and their experts. And they want you to accept Exa them. That's exactly it. Wow, I really love this line of thinking, like the way you're breaking it down. And I think that's the power of shows like this, is that we can put language to concepts that mm -hmm. can help us all understand things a little better. And it's going to help everybody communicate this more effectively. Because I don't know about you, but my friend circle got really small <laughs> during the beginning stages of the pandemic because of mm -hmm. my stances on things. And then it's suddenly grown bigger now because yeah. 
more and more people since all of that has happened have had some time to let things percolate a little bit and are kind of going it is kind of weird that all this stuff is all happening at the same time all the woke stuff the trans stuff the climate stuff the covid stuff the all these things are all happening and all you got to do is push a few buttons show them a few instances in history and go what if i told you it was all connected and it's done by the same people for the same reason and you just go from there and more people are starting to see that they don't know what it is they can't define it yet but they're watching things happen that don't make sense to them and they're going wait a minute and ctv news is telling me this now and yesterday they were telling me something totally different and all they're trying to do is scare me and and it's weird and they're going well i don't want to trust them i'm going to go and then they tune on to disney or they tune on to netflix and all they see right. is we're not watching entertainment anymore we're watching political propaganda in those shows it's like whoa i don't want that i just wanted to actually take a break from reality to watch a show right and then they're going okay all i'm cornered everywhere maybe i'll go on rumble maybe i'll go on some alternative platform maybe i'll listen to a show like this for a change and that's mm -hmm. all it takes and more and more people are doing it so i tell people hold that line because in the long run this was something Matthias desmet said uh who was mm -hmm. sort of the author of the book on the mass formation psychosis he said one thing that's known when you look statistically at when mass formation takes over in a totalitarian society is that there's always a small fringe minority with unacceptable views or with acceptable views and they start speaking and they don't stop speaking and yeah they get ridiculed they get some of them even get put in camps or whatever but eventually with the consistency and the fact that truth always reveals itself over time Right. The mass formation breaks very quickly. It breaks down very quickly. It's a very short-lived experience, historically speaking. So no matter how bad it seems with this mass formation, um, even with the fact that the new mass formation after COVID is now uh, the gender reassignment surgery for young children, which is permanently sterilizing them and mutilating them, that's a mass formation that is probably one of the worst, if you can think about it. Well, right. even that is going to be short-lived because... I don't know how long people can keep holding on to some kind of delusion that that is somehow normal and sane and helpful. That's cracking. That was cracking. Exactly. And it's going to break mm -hmm. down. So the mm -hmm. lies break down. And I think to your point about, okay, maybe it took them 40. I, I view this as a 200 year agenda personally, okay. just to start, it's just a starting point. But if we did 40 years, that's a really good, especially in Canadian context, that's a reasonable. Yeah. The two generations. So think, 40 years 40 to 50 years for them to implement this current incarnation of this agenda uh which is to overthrow the western civilization and bring us into the global borg-like system so if that's the case i don't think it's going to take us 40 years to reverse engineer it i think that what happens is it takes them way more time and energy to build it up it stays it seems like it's infallible and there's nothing you can do about it but then the truth starts breaking through and a few videos go viral or like it's Solzhenitsyn wrote a book that ended uh, brought the wall down right in Russia uh it just took a few little things and then suddenly it collapses and it collapses really quick like it collapses right. faster than the twin towers did at free fall speed so that's how I see it I see that um we're gonna have a break we'll probably have multiple breaking points where the dam bursts and it comes apart fast because that's how the truth works it's slow to the punch but when it swings, man, it takes out three chins at once and it it's a knockout blow. So that's what I'm right. It, on. It, it's like bankruptcy. It's slow and then sudden. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right.
So do you think it will be an event or do you think it will be some sort of mass awakening? Like somebody's going to multiples. I think when I think, I know we kind of think of this great awakening and I, I believe in it, man. And I'm trying to will it into existence in a way, you know, but I think we think of it as like a sudden one morning we wake up and everybody just sees what's happening and all the systems crawl and all get arrested. I don't see that. I see it as like a, it's well, what happened in world war two, what happened in all these other It's like, it's a sequence of events that take place over a rather short period of time that finally exposes everything. And it's that exposure of it that creates the ma a new mass formation, but not around a lie. Imagine mass formation reverse engineered towards the truth. Imagine that happens. So I say to people that don't believe this can happen, if it can happen towards the negative, it can happen mm -hmm. towards the positive. The potential exists in reality. Whether it's going to happen or not is for all of us to see. But don't lie to yourself and say, well, that could never happen. By saying it, you're creating that. I say, no, it could happen because it already did. It just happened in a, in a negative sense where people formed around a lie. What if people could form around the truth? What does that world look like? And in that sense, I think it comes apart rather quickly. But I don't think it's one singular event. I think it's a series of events, and that's what we're living in right now. We are living in those sequences of events where all this information is coming out to the public that people like you and I, Jason, were just talking about this in hushed tones over a beer in the dark corner of some bar somewhere. Whereas now everybody's talking about this. Like it's even yep. on the mainstream news. They have to cover some of this stuff. All these laptops being discovered, all this pedophilia, the Epstein Maxwell stuff. The uh, There's more islands than you know. Let me tell you that. Um, well, you, of you, course, you, if you know about one, there's dozens oh, more. Exactly. Like if it, yeah. I always tell people, if this is what's known, if this level of corruption is what's known, look what we got from a CSIS whistleblower in Canada about Beijing interfering with Canadian elections. Oh, where the hell is the the uprising against that? Well, give it some time because that's only one hit uh, pebble hit in the pond, and then there's another one, and then soon it's a rock, and then it's a freaking mountain, and it's causing a tsunami. And it's unstoppable. And that's why I truly love that phrase. Nothing can stop what is coming because nothing can stop the power of the truth. It's just, mm -hmm. we've got to give it some time, give it some energy, fan that those flames and uh, get out of its way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually believe that good things are coming. So I put it up here. Good things are coming love because, uh, yeah. And because I believe that. So actually I think there's in Canada specifically, there's three truths. I think that are going to wake up a lot of people. Truth number one, children cannot select their gender. So I believe that that truth is going to be learned soon enough by parents, parents who happen to be Muslim, parents who happen to be Christian, parents who happen to be insert religion or non-religion here. It's going to be parents, I believe. Enough parents are going to step up and say this whole gender selection by my child is not a thing. So that might be one awakening. Another one is vaccine harm. So vaccine harm, as more and more people actually get injured, and it's no longer a story from another province or another town, it's in my family, it's my direct family, or it's even me. Those are going to be the people that are going to start waking up around vaccine injury. And then the last one, I think, is a tyrannical government in Canada, specifically for Canada. Um, so you're aware of the Coots 4 here in Alberta. We believe they're political prisoners. And yep. they're on day 522 of being political prisoners. I do believe that if the truth of that one comes out, 
So let's say parents uh, give up on this whole gender thing and they say, okay, we now know the truth. Vaccine harm, people now believe it's true. It was a big ass lie. And now we find out in coots that these guys were political prisoners. And that's at the bottom of the POEC pyramid. So the POEC developed an inverted pyramid house of cards. And at the very bottom is four cards. Those guys have men, Jerry, Chris, Tony, and Chris. If those guys turn out to be completely innocent, they didn't do anything near what the, the government says. And by the way, we believe that's exactly the case. Then the POEC itself completely falls down. At the top of the POEC is Brenda Lucky, is the PMO, and right. a few other people. So put this all together, and I'm going to attack in one more, a fourth one, which is the conspiracy side of me. I believe the WEF are not impressed with his performance, and I believe that they do want him to be replaced, Mark Carney or Freeland or something like that. So bring all of this together. So the WEF is not supporting him as much anymore. He's being booed. Some of his history is starting to come out now. People are not protecting them as much anymore. The Coots Fork turns out to be innocent. People are now injured. There's a lawsuit out of Alberta about vaccine injury with uh, Carrie Sakamoto, 10.5 million. She's suing the CBC and the Government of Canada, Health Canada, Alberta Health Services, and two nurses that poked her. She's suing all of them. Um, so a vaccine harm, the parent gender thing, the Coots tyranny thing, and then the WEF not impressed with him, the PMO can fall. And he might fall. And if Canadians stop this agenda in Canada, and we stop our PMO from this agenda, I believe other countries, Australia, New Zealand, and others, uh, Netherlands, the farmers, France, others, they're going to go, oh, oh, okay, so we need enough truth. They're also going to have the vaccine harm one as one of their truths, for sure. And yeah. I'm sure they're going to have some of their own political prisoners. And I'm sure that gender is an issue as well. So this might become a global cascading effect of people saying no more. And that's my hope. But I think that there is four good, at least in Canada, four good truths that if people believed them and understood them and, and knew them, there's no way you support that government anymore. It topples. That's a really good way to break it down, especially in the Canadian context, because I, I agree. Those are some good points that definitely, um, well, we're getting way more scientific support as well, which we always had, but it's, it's always hard because the journals are all captured by pharma. So you don't always get them, mm -hmm. but it is coming out the, the harms from whatever this was. And um, I'm trying to be careful with my language here. For and, sure. Vaccine uh, harm. Yeah. yeah okay. It's, it's yeah. established. There's websites now, vaccineinjury.ca. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I just had on my show Roman uh, Beisenstruck, who wrote the book Dissolving Delusions with um, Dr. Suzanne, Murphy, or Suzanne Humphreys on the origin of vaccines and how uh, there's a whole history of it that people don't know about it. The real so, ones or the mRNA? Like the new no, ones? No, no, like, the real ones. The, the real ones. Like we're starting okay. right back with smallpox, polio, all those right. things, and showing you the actual data from government sources that those diseases were in in the 90 percentiles of decline before those vaccines were even introduced. And there were many reasons oh. for change in the way we, uh, I, I won't do the whole podcast here, but it's a phenomenal uh, thing because he shows you the graphs and it's irrefutable. He went into the Library of Medicine in England, in Canada, and he gathered the original stats of all the histories of these diseases and showed that, the, and he had a doctor doing it with him, showed that they were all in massive decline before their introduction, which means they don't get to have the, they're not on a scientific basis to say that they eradicated those diseases. It was um, at the same time that 
those numbers were dropping, there was massive changes in the way hygiene our, uh, and everything. Yeah, hygiene, um, mm-hmm. water irrigation, refrigerators, and everything. Like people were yeah. living like backed out under raw sewage for crying out loud. You wonder, and in they were in small little uh, homes with no windows or air circulation. There was like so many things changed that started to push away these diseases. And yet pharma gets to come away and say, we are the champions, but that's a low, uh, go look at the podcast. So there's that, that's like the, the next layer. If we could start with just what went down with COVID vaccine, right. Mm-hmm. And show that, um, then, you know, that's already a massive awakening and that's going to get people to go, well, well, if they lied to me about that one, what else are they lying about? And then you can pull all that out. Um, but what I would say on the global front, I've been talking about this in terms of those pieces that might trigger more awakening is it's the children. It's the fact that yeah. we have, we've just had this new film sound of freedom come out. I went mm-hmm. to see it. I think it's phenomenal. I think everybody should support the film and, and check it out and uh, just go watch it for yourself, make up your own mind and, you know, go from there. But either way, there's more people talking about the fact that we've got international child sex slavery and trafficking going on and the thing that starts to hit you when you're watching this film and this is stuff i already knew about because i researched it independent of the film um like i grew up listening to people like fbi director ted gunderson and those kind of guys right? oh, cool. who already revealed all this back in the 80s but uh anyways i remember watching this and having that feeling that people are going to watch this like they've never even realized that this is a thing Okay. They might know, oh, there's got to be some of that going on in like Thailand or, you know, Mexico or something, but they don't realize that. um, And even the film isn't getting all the way there, but it's the toe in the door, right? To say this happens, it's more prevalent than, you know, we're talking millions of children every year and that's just official stats. And then we now, at the same time, we have all this information about elite rings. Like we had Peter Nygaard in Canada. Um, We've got the Epstein's. And the fact that both Nygaard and Epstein weren't just some traffickers for global elite pedophiles, they were actually involved in human genomic research. And they were involved with, um, you know, organizations like DARPA and these government, these research organizations into human genetics. And that's an interesting thing to think about. So you start to go. So I think on the global scene, we're going to start to realize that there's a reason they haven't shown us the client list yet. Uh, There's a reason Julian Assange is a political prisoner and -hmm. some of these Mm -hmm. other whistleblowers, uh, because when you open that door about what's really going on with trafficking, I don't think I think it would put most people in the hospital to realize the truth and the magnitude of it and just how insidious it is and how prevalent it is, not just amongst some third world countries that are just doing it for money and drugs or whatever. There this is a a bigger, bigger picture that I won't get into now. But that could be a huge, huge cannon blast because what unites humanity across all cultural, religious, and political lines more than children? Crimes against children. Like for crying out loud, Jason, guys in prison, murderers and thieves right. in prison do more to fight against pedophilia than your government does. So just let you know that. Uh, they don't even Well, C4, the Bill C4. Okay, we used to have uh, laws in Canada, I believe it's still in the books, about genital mutilation. We have these laws mainly because of the cultural differences from other countries. And I believe it's called the Barbaric Act of Canada or something like that. Anyways, we have these rules against that, laws. You can go to jail for genital mutilation. Bill C4 is genital mutilation. The entire bill is about that. Wow. So I'm not sure how... 
Nobody's enforcing it, right? Not only enforcing it, it had an unanimous vote in the House. So conservatives, liberals, NDP, everybody. It was 100% unanimous. And this wow. bill, if you're not familiar with it, it's the um, it's the gender theory, uh, gender transition theory bill or something like that. Um, hold on. Let me, conversion therapy. Conversion therapy. Oh, bill. okay. So, so they framed it as, you know, some wacko religious people really making life hard for children who identify as homosexual. So they created this bill that says if you are anything but your birth gender, and they call it um, cisgender, they call it all those stuff, but your birth gender, if you're anything other than your birth gender, you identify as anything other than birth gender, it's illegal to counsel you back. It's legal to counsel you to homosexuality, but Bill C-4 makes it illegal to counsel you back. So let me tell you what happened to Lois, which is the sterile Indian here in Alberta. So he was born a male, and at the age of 14, he was watching Oprah. He's always been a feminine boy, so he's always had some of these tendencies, and, you know, that happens. Yeah. Effeminate tendencies. And as, as an effeminate male, he watched Oprah with a transvestite a transitioning person a male to female i believe is what he saw he thought that was him so because of the glorification on oprah he thought oh that's going to be me so at the age of 18 so just four years later he was very obsessed with it and he applied to get the procedure done through our healthcare system so this is alberta and the government of canada who stepped up and gave him the procedure uh, my understanding was it's supposed to be a four-year program from start to bottom surgery. The entire process is four years, but they accelerated it for him for two years. So by the age of 20, he had his bottom surgery done. At no point during this did anybody tell him, um, this is going to be bad. It's going to be painful. Here's what you got to do. You're going to have to put this thing in you to keep the wound open. So you have that cavity there. It's not natural, but this is how we make it. None of that was described. He also didn't know that he'd become sterile. He had no idea that this procedure would make him sterile. So at the age of 18, they started to condition him to go ahead and go through the surgery without telling him a single con about it. None of the bad stuff whatsoever. Right after surgery, right when he woke up, he knew he made a mistake. And then he found out what he has to now do, go through all this rehabilitation, all this pain, all this suffering. He's got to insert this item into him keep the wound open, all that kind of stuff. He's miserable. So now he's applied for maids. They've now turned him down. So he applied again for maids because he now calls himself a sterile Indian because he doesn't believe he's a she, never was. He believes that at best it was a transvestite, but not a transgender and always identified just as a feminine male, but now doesn't want to live at all. Now here's the sad part. If that wasn't sad enough, it's illegal to assist him back to birth gender anybody wow. a doctor a physician anybody that counsels him to go back to more surgery and undo the surgery or anything like that or detransition is what it's called in the states it's illegal so what we discovered here in canada is the entire medical system when it comes to this procedure isn't allowed to talk you out of it by law therefore there's it's a one-way road so Canada does not have procedures to do detransition. They're not helping him. They're not giving him mental health care. They're not giving him physical care. They're not assisting him at all because he's now denying what they did with him. I had to get a lawyer from, from, from the U.S. G Gabriel Clark had to come on because she's a detransitioning. No, she's not a lawyer, sorry, but she's very good in the law. She assists people with detransitioning. In the States, it's a thing. You're allowed to do it. But I showed her our laws here, C4. 
she couldn't practice here. Her actual function couldn't practice. She couldn't practice here. Uh, the parents and her could be charged and fined and possibly jailed over that activity. Wow. That's and it. That's, like, what that's it. But I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know about that bill, but it's like, I just hear about a new thing every day and you realize, you know, mm. there is something very dark behind this and, you know, those are the things, these are the kind of things that are going to be what wake people up, you know? And that's why I think this subject is huge. Like the, what guys like billboard, Chris, and some of these other guys yeah. are trying to do to spread awareness. Josh like, Alexander. This is going to, we're going to win that battle for sure. And once mama bears get into this fight on the next level, I think it's game over. Uh, the families, you know, that are going to realize, Oh my God. Um, you're going to have a real strong contingent of those people that already kind of sold their mind to this narrative and got their kids transition. And you're fighting uphill trying to get them to ever admit they did something mm -hmm. wrong. Cause how do you live yourself after that? But the vast majority of people I think are um, going to be moving against that and then take it to the next phase of what I was bringing up with this child trafficking industry that services all the way up to the elite level, which makes you wonder, what politicians that are making laws in our country, what judges, what RCMP directors, what, uh, you know, educators or, or boards or like people that are in positions of power, authority and trust. Uh, what right. level of it is are they involved in some of this criminal and very despicable activity that's going to shake things up? And then um, I think, honestly, as sad as I am to say it, money is going to wake people up. The money system, uh, you know, like that's Maybe the I'm collapse or the it, change to digital it's what it takes to i'm talking about the system the corruption of the system the entire system being that you know look at the 1974 uh act in canada where we sold ourselves to the bank of international settlements in switzerland right and who mm. runs in that who created that and the federal reserve system in america you know i've interviewed Jeb griffin and and many others but Jeb griffin wrote the book on jekyll island and the whole thing realizing that a system of control not not a free market the way we think it is. Um, even though we're more free in the West than other places, the system was already captured by pirate. Well, I know what you mean, but we believe still, we are. <laughs> we believe we are. Um, yeah. But still, like in terms of comparing to outright socialist countries to hear it's a little more tongue. It's a little more hidden and you still have somewhat. But the system is designed to keep you in debt and keep your government in debt. And I yes. just ask everybody, think of that scene in aladdin with jafar he's like he who makes the gold makes the rules right which is just him parroting nathan rothschild um mm -hmm. you know you, you think about it if your government is in debt to private banks and is working in tandem with multinational corporations that don't have any allegiance to the country do you really think the government runs the show or is it you know who, who has the real power here the people that own the debt do you really own your house if you have a mortgage with the bank and even if you owned your home and owned your you don't land, even own the land, you're on crown land, man. Mm -hmm. And I did mm -hmm. a whole show on the whole true history of Canada where, you know, it's a whole story about how we're essentially just a British colony that's always been owned by the crown. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's always been an illusion. But the dream of it, the spirit of it, the, the Canada people believe in is enough to maybe have us go, well, let's do a let's do a constitutional reform. Let's redraft our constitution to actually create a legitimate country run by the people uh, and that actually has some teeth to protect us against the ever-changing whims of the government. And we're, look at that section one in the charter that just, they were like, well, section one, so government Pause can button. change all the laws we want, right? Well, like, we shouldn't have that shit. We should have something that's got some balls on it, some teeth, you know?
I so, had an American hit me on Twitter. They go, don't you have like the right uh, freedom of speech and stuff like that? I'm like, yeah, we do. But we also have the very first line in it is a pause button. It's an ignore button. The, yeah. The, what notwithstanding clause means we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. So uh, you really don't so have that's not a, a freedom. That doesn't mean freedom. That means, again, what we have. All we got to do is just relive what just happened over the last three years and go, oh, yeah, the Constitution didn't protect us from the government. Right. Nope. And then the government, what did they do? They played bat and ball with the corporations. And they said, well, it's not really us that's making it mandatory. The company that hired the company that hired Correct. You is, the, is Correct. the one. And then the company that you go, hey, why are you making this mandatory? It violates my rights. They're like, well, the government said we're going to. So they're playing back and forth. Right. And that's why any of these cases are all just getting chucked out by corrupt judges that aren't really you know what I mean? And, so, and, and drop it down a level. We didn't make you take the vaccination. Your mother yeah. did when you wanted to come for Christmas. See? So they, they've got their little clause. So I think that um, we got, there's so many of these things though, that if people realize that they realize the corruption within these pharmaceutical industry. And that's what I try to expose in my film. Like you want to take your medical advice from Pfizer. Let me just uh, give you a little history of Pfizer's criminal rap sheet that would blow your mind. Do you know they are like the world Guinness record holders of the largest criminal fines in human history? Do you know that they were fined millions and millions of dollars in Nigerian court for experimenting on Nigerian children without their parents' consent that ended up in the deaths and maimings of those children? And they just had to settle it for like $400 million and went back to work. Do you know they paid a no a $2.3 billion criminal fine for releasing a drug that had known negative side effects in their own data that actually killed people. They had to pull it off the market and they were, they had to pay this fine and yet they are still in business, man. And that's just one, that's just one company. We can go through mm -hmm. the list. So we're talking about a criminal cartel that has government approval behind it. And especially after this pandemic, and I believe you're right about the, the SARS in Toronto. What was that? 2009 or, or something yeah, it was a test. where they, that was the test run. And then this was the big moment to go, all right, we're coming in, we're setting up a monopoly. Think about what they also did on the economic front. We just watched the largest transfer of wealth in human history happen from all the small businesses that were closed down due to government policy, not due to COVID, due to government policy. Um, and where what happened? People went to go to the multinational businesses like Walmart, Target, Costco, right, who profited massively. So that's, to me, a transfer of wealth from us the people small businesses to the already billionaire class and the international companies and that's why they're wiping out all the local businesses now and all these new climate things and none of these businesses are going to be able to keep up with any of that and they're just going to replace them with international corporations because that's the agenda they want the world to be a internationally run corporation that has an unelected board that runs this out of Davos or wherever the hell it's going to be. And they want it modeled off of China. And this is the other factor that's important for people to know is that um, I did some research on the money trail of what actually financed the rise of Bolsheviks revolution in Russia and the Soviet Union, Hitler's rise to power and FDR in America who brought in soft socialism to America. Do you know they were all financed by the exact same people at the exact same time? And you can go to the work of Professor Anthony Sutton. He was the guy that wrote everything on the skull of bones and everything. He was a Hoover Institute 
guy, and he found the actual receipts to prove that it was the same financiers, the same private families that were financing those three socialist experiments at the same time. I think what they did, when you read people like Carol Quigley, who was that professor that wrote about the agenda, uh, he was formerly one of the guys under Bill Clinton, and they he wrote about how those were all just experiments to figure out what the best model for managing a population is. And right. they, they took all the data from those experiments and then they brought it to China and they perfected it in China. So the system in China, which is like a, you know, it's a, it, you could say, yeah, it's communism, but it's like a different version, like a technocratic, crony capitalist, communist mix. It's a hybrid system with surveillance and social credit scores. They want that system applied to the world uh, on the economic political level. And they crash tested that model with COVID because what did they do with COVID policy? They threw, listen to Byron Brider or Peter McCullough. They're telling you, we had policies in place for this kind of pandemic. Those all got thrown out the window and replaced right. with new guidelines. Where did those guidelines come from? China. So they are using the Chinese model to get this new global system run. So that's going to be the new world government. It's not going to be a kumbaya world peace and everybody's free government. It's going to be basically a Chinese style, Maoist style, technocratic style world government system. And then when you plug transhumanism and AI and all their toys into it, holy shit, we better get up in arms and fight back, man. And in arms, I mean, metaphorically, not literally. Right. <laughs> sure, sure. We got to be careful of that because all of a sudden it'll be Jeremy McKenzie in the Saskatchewan jail. I'm not talking. I actually, I just so my, my CSIS agent is watching right now. Hey, bro, listen, I have been from day one saying I am against a violent approach. I think it's the stupidest thing that could ever happen. I don't even think it's necessary. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about following the real law. Okay, the real that law. scares them just as much, though, just so you know, I know, but it's better than saying, you know, <laughs> they're getting wise They're using the law now. <laughs> well, using the I'm just saying, like, you know, we need to stand up for our freedom in our country. Or we're going to lose mm -hmm. it and we don't need to stand up for it in a violent way. Um, we need to just do what we're talking about. Let's let's get local and active in our local communities. Let's raise yes. our children correctly. Let's work together with like minded people. Let's spread peace, love, and unity the best that we can and, um, and try to promote the values of freedom upon which this country was originally founded, I believe, at least idealistically, and that our, my grandfather fought and died for and many others as well. And um, let's try to uh, save this country and save Western civilization and save this world from this global tyranny. And I believe we can do it peacefully. And I actually think that the actions of these perpetrators are themselves going to be bringing down their own downfall because all they have to do is keep being themselves and all we have to do is keep rolling the camera and the truth is going to come out people are going to see them for who they are and then that house of cards collapses in its own footprint yeah and i think the actual solution is to not comply uh non-compliance exactly yeah, yeah. non-compliant so let me just show you one more thing before we wrap up here just to sure. kind of remind people that the government is not for your safety this is the Body, Ar Body Armor Control Act statute of Alberta. The only reason why I brought this up is because recently I looked it up because I'm dealing with the Coots for men and there's body armor as part of that photo and evidence and stuff. So I looked into this thing. Basically, all this says is if you're wearing body armor that can stop a projectile, it's illegal. 
you need a permit you need to get permission you need to have a reason you need to justify it you can't have a criminal record all this other stuff if you get through all of that then you can have body armor now the reason why i'm bringing this to your attention is because the government doesn't care if your neighbor tries to kill you and you stop the bullet the mm. government only cares if it's their bullet being stopped so there's a law that we accepted openly debated it in in the legislation we openly created it it's sitting right there it's from 2010 we openly have a law that says if you're going to protect yourself from projectiles from your government you're breaking the law of the government why do they want a squishy so they're basically so what you're saying is they are saying to us if we try to shoot you and you stop us that's, that's illegal. illegal. <laughs> wow. That's a hundred percent what this law is. There's no other purpose for it because they don't mind if your neighbor tries to shoot you and you stop it. That's not to their concern. Their concern isn't protecting yourself from your neighbor or another state, even like of an American. They don't care about that. They only care if their projectiles get stopped. That's what this law is for. People don't realize, but we had elected officials go ahead and put this in place. But all this says is you can't have steel skin when the government wants to stop you why are we complying like this like why are we so mass stupid and, and we're complying like this we're saying yeah okay we'll take the we won't buy plates we'll just look good but we'll have no protection why are we complying like <laughs> this like i don't get it <laughs> yeah well hey look you know i just say it like this i don't care uh, what badge anybody's wearing what background anybody if you come and violate my property line against my will and my consent and you try to mm -hmm. harm myself my family or my children um i'm not even going to need guns or firearms to defend myself it's house of flying daggers time man and nobody is well that's where we will for me so i'm, I'm gonna right. say i see your stupid law where you're not i'm not allowed <laughs> to defend myself against you and i raise you i have the same law i just wrote it i wrote it down right now that um nothing's going to stop me if you try to attack me or my property or my family. And I hope everybody has that mindset. I'm a, mm. I'm in a defensive posture. I'm a martial artist. So I understand how this works. I never start the fight. I am against the violence. I don't want to see it happen. But if you come and try to um, coerce or force anything on me, that's against my will and my rights, then uh, I'm not even going to need body armor at that point. And in my, it's, it's, it's beyond that. So you got to have the spirit to stand your ground and let's just hope it never comes to that. But these mm. things, Jason, I'm glad you're showing them to people because it's these things that will help people realize that this government is gone rogue. It doesn't serve you. It's acting in the exact same way that previous totalitarian governments has acted while pretending that it isn't all they got is they're going to call you names. That's all they got. So have a thick skin and uh, learn to take a stand for your rights and your freedom, uh, or we're going to lose this country if we haven't already. And in the end, we're all just human beings trying to get along. We don't want to be um, harmed by anybody. I'm not advocating yeah. anybody get into that mindset, but you absolutely have a right to defend yourself, your life, your freedom, your happiness. Uh, this is your life. It's not theirs. And screw them for even trying to take it away from you. Hey, they can change the lyrics of the anthem. So the new lyrics are stand on guard for me. So you want there to come here, I'll stand on guard for me. There All you right? go.
There you go. <laughs> Brother, listen, I'm going to invite you back. So I'm setting up Please. a Agenda 2030 video um, a session, like a four-hour thing. I got Mark Friesen, uh, maybe Dr. Mackis. Uh, Peter McCullough's on next week. So if you want to watch my interview with him, he's on Oh, Friday. that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, but in the next mid-August, late August, I may have a whole bunch of people like you, that kind of mindset okay. to sit down and really talk about this. It'll be Rumble. So we won't put it on YouTube on purpose so that oh, we cool. can definitely have a really deep we'll let conversation. It fly. Okay, I'm in. And I also want to okay. see, I don't know what kind of time you got, but I'd love to maybe get you on my show because I've really enjoyed this conversation. You're a man of knowledge. Oh, we just started. And, uh, <laughs> I think we've just gotten warmed up and uh, yeah. I'd love to pick your brain as well. So let's email and I'll get something set up. You can come on Truth Warrior down the road here. Oh, that'd be my pleasure. I would actually really enjoy that. Thank you very much, awesome. David. Well, I really appreciate it. Sorry for the technical difficulties, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it, it, we roll with the punches it. around here, David. Uh, on Monday, um, Theo, he almost left halfway through his interview because Laura Ingram called him and wanted him to be on Fox. Oh. So what he ended up doing was while he was live on our show, he got the call. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm available. Da, 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 da. And then he goes, guys, I'll be right back. We pulled the stream from Fox, threw it on our show. There he was. Did his little interview. Then he comes back to us. We watched part of it with him because I guess she's not live live. She has a delay. Um, but yeah, he came back on our show and then we just rolled with the punches around here. Because oh, nice. that's what we need to do in Canada, don't we? We can't yeah, fall apart if punches. things don't go quite right. Yeah. Just keep going. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you're doing a great job, man. And I really enjoy ch chatting with you. Um, support the show. Guys, support this man's show. Spread it out far and wide. And Thank if you, you want to come and check me out, my website is dwtruthwire.com. It'll lead you to all the different things I'm doing. If you want to see my series, you can go to cultofthemedics.com. It's there for free for you. And uh, let's do this again sometime, Jason. We're going to do a lot of things together, David. I really appreciated your time, and I really enjoyed getting to know you. Same here, brother. All the best, eh? Take care. Stay we'll free. talk soon, brother. Cheers, guys. Stay free. Bye.